0: A personality tool like this actually gives us the language to share what we're like, have honest conversation about what we're like and how we, we engage best with others in our teams, with others in the world, so that ultimately we build that trust that allows us to be our best selves in a team.
1: Welcome everyone, and thank you so much for joining Jeremy and I again for another episode of Navigate's People First Podcast. Uh, we're excited you're here. Uh, really appreciate uh, t- spending some time with us. I also want to thank everyone uh, whose wonderful support the last few weeks have given us feedback and and subscribing and and liking what we're doing. It's wonderful to hear from y'all, and it's especially uh, great to hear hear from clients and hear from some old friends and and everybody and. Uh, you guys are good juice. Uh, keep them coming. We appreciate you. Uh, appreciate the kind words and support and uh, keep telling us what you wanted to talk about. Uh, we're going to listen and uh, we we thank you all. So Jay, each month at Navigate, we take a core value of us that we have at Navigate um, and we focus on that in communication with our employees and and even our clients. And this month happens to be that growth is great. And so we've been really focusing on finishing up company-wide training, we've been doing career and personal journey mapping with everyone. When you think about growth is great, um, talk to me about where does your head go in that, in that core value?
2: I think the natural place for people to go when they see growth is great is that it's a, a sales goal, it's a business development achievement from, uh, from growing the business, from revenue or client base or participant base. Uh, when I think about growth is great, I think about our people. I think about my team and the people I work with day in and day out. And I think about adding people to the team that can help the business do more or do things better. Or I think about taking people on our teams and allowing them to achieve more, to, to grow in their own career. So I like to, I like to look internal to the organization when I think about growth because the sales will come. If we're all doing a really good job at what we do, if we're doing something we're passionate about, I think that shows in our product and sales growth is comes along with, with our people growth.
1: What do you think? I love that. That's why you're one of your archetypes is, you know, mentorship (laughs) and and being a uh, a great leader. When I reflect on like, like the growth is great, I think about you got to invest in yourself. And the more you invest in others, the more you're going to get out of it. When I think about like my, my my career path there's two main themes i would say that my mentors have have really pressed me on is that one you got to have a journey mindset right that journey mindset there there's going to be times when your life your career when you make you make advances there's times when you suffer setbacks but all of those are building blocks around what lessons can take you to the next level and advance you right how you respond to those times is where growth is at hopefully an advancement And that is where growth is great. I think also you think about who I am. I've had amazing mentors and they have drilled into me like, who are you? What is Troy Vincent? What is your value system? What are your principles? But then also, how are you advancing your mindset around others too and learning from others? And that's like, that's that investment side of things. So when I think about growth is great, I always think about, What are all the different attributes and different strengths that I have and the values that I have and the preferences that I have? But then how can I take that to someone else and learn from them and bring that together for me as a wider lens of where I can grow? And to me, that's what makes up the different qualities of each person and and just how we can do better. And that's navigate when I think about it.
2: I love it. If only there were a tool to help people achieve the kind of, uh, kind of feedback and encouragement you've had from mentors over the years.
1: Yeah. Well, and that's, that's a great lead in Jay. Good job, man. Like, um, professional segue, professional segue.
2: When I think about
1: today, looking forward to today's episode, this is a long time coming. This is, this is almost two years as when we strategize on how, We cannot be the same, same well-being company. Um, How can we bring more to people? How can we bring more to managers? How can we bring tools to help people within their personal growth, their career growth? And that's where we turn to our friends at Principles U. Joining us today to talk about the tie between career, personal development, and employee well-being is the CEO of Principles, Zach Wiener, and their head of strategic partnerships, Steve Elfenbaum guys it's awesome to have you here thank you so much for joining us and um we're excited to to share the principles you and how we created navigate you with you guys and uh we'd just love to uh talk to us about principles you zach steve um who wants to who wants to jump out there i i can i can start well it's
0: it first it's an absolute pleasure to be here um we've loved our relationship thus far we have a lot of um it's really great to find people that have kind of not just common uh, values, but also common beliefs. And so we have really a common set of beliefs about what's important for people, what's important for organizations, how humans evolve, how humans develop and the benefit of how individuals develop to themselves and to the organizations that they're a part of. And so it's just a pleasure to be on with you you both.
3: Yeah, really, really great to be here. I think uh, that message of growth is great, is so aligned with what we do and what you do. There's a there's a truism I think that there's no growth in the comfort zone or no comfort in the growth zone, and the best way you know it takes uh, you know a little bit of friction to get traction. So it's not often uh, fun, but it's the best possible thing you can do. And I think what you're doing as far as helping people grow within the context of well-being is just wonderful. So we're really looking forward
1: to the conversation. So, so Steve, I, I've been I've been wanting to ask you this. You and I we, we talked quite a bit for for multiple months, but. When you had a well being company in Silicon Prairie here in Iowa wanting to collaborate with you and, and really integrate what you guys were doing inside health and well being, kind of different. But I just wanted to like perhaps the energy behind you guys wanting to do so and how you guys look at Principles You and how that can help our strategy and what you guys are doing as well to do some good for other people.
3: Yeah, thank, thanks, Tori. The idea was incredibly compelling for any number of reasons. Um, the idea of well-being and especially organizations and companies fostering well-being as not only critical to growth, but also critical to the ability of people to be successful in their own personal and professional trajectory. I think it's a noble cause that you're, you know, we've talked about that before, that it's a noble cause you're engaged in to try to essentially raise the level of wellness, you know, at organizations and ideally, you know, across the planet in, in some small sense. And I think what we do is so aligned. In terms of so much of your well-being, and I I know we'll talk more about this a little bit later in in the podcast, but so much of your well-being is based on what you do every day and how that aligns with your preferences, your personality. Um, You know, we all bring a version of ourselves to a context. And what version of ourselves do we bring to work? And is that really helpful to our well-being overall, both in work and life or detrimental and trying to explore that within the context of your own engagement platform? you know, we thought was incredibly
1: compelling. So Zach, through the company principles, tell us how principles you got started, uh, maybe the focus and and, and that two-step process that you guys are putting together when it comes to the personal growth. By way of background,
0: uh, I currently run principles, but for for about a decade, I ran people and culture at a hedge fund called Bridgewater Associates um, with the founder, Ray Dalio. Uh, Steve and I both worked with Ray very closely. And at the time... Ray was transitioning out of the management of the company. And the question was, how could we be successful beyond our founder, which is a notoriously difficult time in the life of a company. And we thought it was this culture and this way of being, not just any one person that made the company successful. And so we focused on how do we build out that culture, that way of being, and the culture and way of being was focused on meaningful work and meaningful relationships. Those were our values. Okay. And we believe that those are human values that The basic human drive is towards meaningful work and meaningful relationships. And people think about almost well-being as sometimes a separate thing from that. But it's actually, if you put structure around your employee's ability to engage in their work, engage in their work and find it meaningful, and through that develop relationships that are meaningful to them, those are not only good for them, but those are self-reinforcing. The relationships are reinforcing of the work and the work is reinforcing the relationships. And so that's how we've looked at well-being. And so coming out of that, that was really the culture we wanted to create at Bridgewater and we built tools and systems to help enable that culture at Bridgewater. And one of those tools and one of those concepts underneath those tools was really understanding what people are like, what makes them tick, what drives them, what motivates them to engage in work in meaningful ways. And so personality tools we used different personality tools throughout that period and we decided convinced by adam grant who's a preeminent psychologist as well as brian little who also is a preeminent psychologist to create our own and create our own that um, was differentiated from what we found in the market in a variety of ways one way was it was comprehensive. It brought to bear the existing research and new research, as well as practical insight we'd built from an organizational context, from actually managing organizations for years. Second, it moved beyond the individual to interpersonal relationships. And, and actually, we, we, we work with teams as well. Third is, it was both practical practical in a way that it told a compelling self-discovery narrative to the individual, but also robust psychometrically. That just it means the science of personality, meaning it was data-based, it was evidence-based, it was research-based. And so those are some of the things we'll talk about today, but that's where principles you grew out of.
1: You know, mentioning Adam Grant, just pulling some information from one of his books, that um, having a sense of security in one realm gives us freedom to be um, original in another. And that's one of the things that when we, when we started to really dig into to principles you, we looked at the psychological safety that it could potentially bring. We looked at the personal growth it could bring. We looked at the upward mobility inside of a company that it could bring. We looked at the ability to share um, your personality with maybe your manager. So we think about burnout, you think about stress, and we started to look at this this equation of all the things that this particular assessment could assist folks today with as an advantage for yourself, your team, your company as a whole, it was just like this thing. We had to do this. We, we, we've got to figure out a way to get this done. And thankfully you guys were able to, to bring that together. When you think about that sock, this psychological safety or burnout or the benefits of the personality test to an organization, where do you, where do you guys go when it comes to maybe those two sides of the coin? Yeah. Psychological safety, it's so interesting because it's actually often a
0: misunderstood concept. People think psychological safety may be about making people feel good, but it's actually the the research basis for psychological safety was it's people have the comfort in a team to actually be themselves, including make mistakes and grow from those mistakes, to actually learn, right? And so a personality tool like this actually gives us the language to share what we're like have honest conversation about what we're like and how we we engage best with others in our teams, with others in the world, so that ultimately we build that trust that allows us to be our best selves in a team.
3: And I say one of the biggest challenges or barriers to that is most of us struggle to see ourselves clearly and struggle to see others clearly. And if you can use, navigate you, you know, within the context of the assessment to provide personal discovery. That's kind of only half the equation. And then the next part is sharing that openly and honestly, that's personal disclosure. And so I think echoing the well-being theme, if you can do those things, do those things well in an environment where everyone's kind of doing them together, then you do actually achieve psychological safety. I'm sure you're familiar with Ray and his principles. You know, there's a great principle about it's okay to make mistakes, but you really need to understand why they happen so they don't recur. And just if you can be in an environment that fosters that thinking, where it's okay to make mistakes, because your best learnings come from your mistakes, it's an ideal environment to grow.
2: One of the things we're seeing, and we've been seeing in the well-being space for a long time, is that too long we have focused on nutrition and physical activity, and those are sort of core foundations of what a well-being program can do for for healthy, uh, for healthy people. But what we're seeing is more often that. There are foundational issues that prevent people from even addressing physical activity and nutrition, or they want to and aren't successful because there are foundational issues. Now, those, those could be financial, they could be socioeconomic, but quite a few times they're interpersonal or something about the journey of self-discovery has to happen first before they're able to make that uh make that that next step. And a lot of times that involves the workplace itself, not just, you know, sort of could be your home life, but a lot of times that's the workplace. And that uh, that means, are you engaged in what you're doing? That means, is your manager supporting you? That means, is your organization's culture appropriate? Zach, could you talk to us a little bit about what you guys see from a burnout standpoint or uh, where, you know, where my head's at, at the workplace and how, how you guys can, can help there?
0: So we see couple components, which are really um, key here. One is there's a cultural element, which is we've looked at a lot of organizations. And what you see is people are actually working two jobs. They're working their own job and the job of managing all the perceptions of themselves all around. Right. And so what if you could be not hundred percent, there's no, nothing perfect, but more of yourself. So you had to manage less of what was going on around you, the politics, the dynamics. You could actually just engage interpersonal issues honestly and with practically, you know, that's one thing we see. The other thing we see is burnout comes from acting constantly against your natural inclinations. Now it's actually very important for people to, 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 Act out of character is the the phrase we use. It's very important. It actually serves our goals, but it can be negative for our well-being if not done in a sustainable way. The example can be, okay, introverts in an organization where extroversion is predominant right that they constantly have to act out of character there are ways you can do that sustainably it's not to say they can't kind of lead you shouldn't lead meetings if you're of course you can lead meetings you you many times you might have to lead meetings and you might actually enjoy it but enjoy it you'd have to manage it a different way than somebody who's extroverted and so we find burnout occurs a lot In that context as well, and one of the things we see, the research actually shows, and this is where we go back to growth, the research actually shows that people might say, okay, what causes burnout? Well, it's being overwhelmed or something like that, or it's it's the amount of burden, the amount of load you have on yourself. That's actually not true. The research shows that people can withstand a lot of challenge and a lot of stress if they feel progress. If they don't feel progress, they burn out. And so actually, that's really the dynamic. That's the equation that you want to get right is how you can use tools to enable growth, enable looking at yourself, looking at others and allowing you to grow so that you can achieve bigger and bigger goals over time, bigger and bigger goals in a sustainable way over time. And that's how we look at it.
1: Exactly. That's a wonderful point. I'm glad you mentioned that, because when I think about how the things you guys have done at Bridgewater and what you brought with Principles U is it's building that sense of community and turning colleagues into coaches. And that side of things is where I love it because we can all be coached, but being able to provide information to your coach and saying, this is how I come to the table. This is how I look at myself. This is how I communicate. Then from there, how do we craft the message together and really bring you know a unified, aligned conversation together? So maybe talk to us about a little bit about that strategy around helping employers turning colleagues into coaches. In terms of turning colleagues into coaches, the first thing I'd say is
0: imagine a sports team or a Navy SEAL team or whatever, any team that you have that needs to perform effectively and you don't know anything about what the people are like, what roles they should play. like How is that possibly going to work? You don't know who can shoot the three pointers, you don't know who's the, the best free throw shooter, you don't know who is who who can occupy the lane, whatever you want to say. It's impossible. And so for some reason, there's like a blocker in the workplace to actually deal with these things in a way that's practical, in a way that that teaches us about not, our, not just ourselves and each other, but the roles that we can play together, how we can collaborate most effectively together. And so that's really the starting principle is like any team, understanding what people's strengths strengths are, what people's growth areas are, then using that information as fuel to grow together is ultimately the key. I think just kind of extending that analogy a little bit, you know, on
3: a team, you get a lot of advice from teammates and coaches. Like if you're you're on a golf team and, and your coach is telling you need, to, you need to adjust your grip to get a better swing, you're not gonna have an ego reaction. My gosh, how are you criticizing me about my swing? Because you know that the coach is operating and giving you constructive and incredibly valuable feedback because it's in your best interest and it's the team's best interest. So to go along with that analogy, I think it's a beautiful analogy because you you look at those pieces of feedback and that constructive criticism through time as a gift. It's like, thank you. Thank you for helping me. And we we've given with love and compassion, it just raises everybody up. So part of it is just ingraining that mindset, you know, within the group, the team, the organization, you know, as an overall piece of this, you know, growth is great puzzle.
1: I love the analogy on the team side of things, because when we think about the opportunity to, again, go back to that coaching mentality. But if we can see ourselves clearly, we start to understand ourselves first and we start to have effective communication with others. That to me is one of the most amazing tools that we're able to provide. And Steve, you've said this in our conversations that we're democratizing the the personality assessment and, and providing it to everyone. And that's one of the things that it used to be only, you know, certain level would, would get this. Now we're able to give it to everyone and those managers and giving those managers the tools to help folks. When we think about retention, we think about productivity, we think about uh, trying to keep our best and our brightest. And we think about upward mobility for them within their career, their development, their own mental health, and, you know, catch them before the burnout or the stress comes. How do you guys see again, like the importance of that shared language to encourage and that shared language of having that that information that we're able to provide
3: yeah i mean I'd say it's it's two things I mean Zach has a great bit during our assessment workshop where he you know he shows some pictures of like people that have incredibly organized clients or people that love to talk to people in the elevator or people that that would just totally freak out and the beauty is a lot of us, we walk around believing that everybody sees the same picture of the world that we we do. And it's unimaginable that anybody else could see what we're seeing differently. And I think just that awareness that we literally see things differently opens you up to a whole realm of possibility. Um, so Zach, I didn't mean to steal that thunder, but I think it's just such a great way to introduce that idea.
0: It's great. And even the first time I did that in a workshop context, there's one slide, which is who color codes their closet. And I could not be bothered one second to think about that sort of thing. And it, it's like half the people raise their hand and it's like implausible to me, right? It's implausible. I got to all, all these vests, is- Zach. I got to have, the, they got to be <laughs> color coded, man. There you go. There you go. But that's so, but it's like almost implausible to me. And then you catch yourself and you say, okay, Actually, personality is pervasive. It it impacts all sorts of behaviors, even trivial behaviors. But the most important thing is these tools allow us to what we call step above ourselves and be aware of ourselves and others in a way that that person isn't trying to frustrate me. But if I don't, if I'm not aware of it, it can lead to frustration. Oh, this person is doing this to, you know, frustrate me or, or I get, you know, we have kind of a combative relationship. If we actually understand, no, that's just the way they see the world. We can say, how then do we use that understanding to engage them productively? And that's where the real impact is. Um, And so those are small examples, but they're examples like from my own life, like I'm a highly direct person, and I found that there were people who were different from me on my team who almost took my directness as like I was like upset about something. Like I was critiquing like in a way that was like, I thought something went wrong. So that helped me understand one, that's how others perceive me, that's related to this personality trait, we call it toughness in our assessment. But I can still be that kind of person because for me the motivation is efficiency, conversational efficiency, I wanna be efficient so I don't have to beat around the bush to get my point across. Other people perceive that differently, so now I convey my intent, okay, It's not about being frustrated. I'm not typically frustrated. You can always ask me, but it is about, I I try to keep communications really efficient and straightforward. It's enhanced my relationships tremendously by being able to use that language in that context. So it's not just the color coding your closet. It's actually my work relationships, how I engage with my team. One
3: of the fundamental things that we do in organizations is we make decisions. And oftentimes a lot of the friction comes from trying to make decisions, trying to thoughtfully disagree. And, you know, I, this really comes home to me, you know, my wife of 35 years, who is the most patient and loving person that I've ever met. And she kind of have to be, you know, because if you know me at all, um, but we both took the assessment and we compare. And one of the things historically that we bump heads about is how we make decisions. For me, I like a threshold level of understanding and I'm ready to make a decision My wife, incredibly detailed, wants to review every option in depth with me multiple times to ensure she's making a great decision. And we would bump heads about that year after year. And it's amazing how in our assessment, when you look at them side by side, it's like, of course, that's why we have that conversation. And of course, now we know a way to navigate through it. And imagine if that kind of interaction that happens multiple times a day for all of us in business what would that do to have that understanding to make your life better, to make your relationships better and really allow you to achieve your goals that much faster.
1: Steve, I I love that you went there because when we think about our mission to do good things, one of the things that we, we provide uh, spouses access to our, our platform for free, because we believe that family unit is a multiplier of being able to help your work life overall, right? And everything. And so, um, I don't think we we probably haven't promoted that as well as we could. It's like getting, getting, you know, the spouses um, involved in, in what we're doing, but we all have different strengths and values and, and preferences, but how do we get to that and then actually look at that and, and paint that picture? So the, the point I think is personality can impact. It's, it's valuable to understand
0: in all relationships. And of course, relationships with your spouse, relationship with your children. One way it's, it's highly underrated is in the workplace, in a sense that I often talk to people and it's like, they don't even realize they spend more time with the people they work with than virtually anyone else in the world, including their families. And so it's like, you might as well do something to understand each other better.
1: <laughs> yeah. Right. Might as well do something. Exactly.
0: Right. Yeah. So that, that I think is kind of a key point.
1: Yeah. As I to say, Zach, are there, are there one or two points that you really want to make? You want to get out there? Related to your, your
0: point um, on management, using this in a work context People often, what we see often, and we talk to customers about this all the time is managers manage the people that report to them the way they prefer to be, they would prefer to be managed, not the way the others are best managed. And so the tools like this give you insight into how that person would be best managed. And so often we find conflicts from the gap between how the manager would want to be managed versus how the person is best managed. So that's a key way in which these tools can be impactful.
2: One of the things I've seen that I love out of this this tool, potential to create empathy to the manager and that so often a manager can get a bad rap and rightfully so in a lot of cases. But this this is a tool for good managers to get better and to help their team understand where they're coming from and help to understand their team and for bad managers to... To grow a little in themselves and to hopefully gain a little bit of empathy and understanding and open up the world. Because we've seen that people are more successful with good leaders, with good managers that they have a strong relationship with. And like you said, you spend eight hours a day at work, sitting with your coworkers, sitting with your manager, doing things that sometimes are fun. Sometimes are, are, you know, a little bit of a grind. Uh, and that's a challenging space for people to be in. And then you have to go home and you have to cook dinner and you have to find some time to work out and you have to have to, have to, have to, have to. So I love that there's an opportunity for maybe leveling the playing field or for people to come together a little bit and understand each other. Um, that's something I know that Navigate is, is super passionate about. And we know that we've got data that shows this is going to help people engage in their programming. and, and ultimately get healthier.
0: Yeah. And I actually have a story about this. If if I can share, we talk about the tool, the tool, the tool, the tool is great, but what we really, what really is important for those relationships is the conversation. And so these are, this tool is an enabler of a high quality conversation. And so we were actually testing even conversation templates around the tool that could be most effective for people. And so we were testing a few of them and we had a client who had a new, new report. And she said, we had one question what's most often misunderstood about your personality? They love that question. They went to the report and they each found out about each other. First, the empathy to the manager. The report said, I thought the manager was more an inventor type than she actually is. And she's actually, does really need to process, not be emergent with all ideas, really need to move ideas to actualization, to process details. That helped her, the report learn about the manager's thinking style. The manager in turn had, heard feedback on the person reporting to them that they were highly, like, more more rigid in presentation and talking to people, talking to clients. In this conversation, using the assessment, they realized, actually, the person is a fairly flexible operator, but had learned over time through her prior jobs about that she needed to have a certain level of kind of buttoned up to be able to communicate ideas, which was different in this new culture. And so the manager said, that taught me how to develop this person, that it was a learned skill rather than an inherent trait about this person that was leading to this feedback. And so that's a simple, that was one question, one question. And look what this conversation is leading to.
1: Amazing. Hey, Steve, will you will you go down this journey with me? So I, I've got my results in front of me. I've been studying my results for six months now. One of the things on my results is archetypes that are kind of total opposite of me (laughs) looking at, Hey, you might not necessarily connect well with these particular folks. Here's some things to think about when you're, when you're visiting or I've shared my information or Jay shared his information with me or other folks. That to me was one of the greatest tools of being able to start to think about how, if I am going to build a community of colleagues and coaches we need to understand who we're talking to, who that colleague is, and how maybe we can coach one another about how we communicate together. So maybe go down that data point or or, or that report that, that everybody gets.
3: Yeah. Well, I, I mean, maybe I'll, I'll talk about a couple of things and, and pass it over to Zach to drill it on the
1: specifics. I mean, Zach's one wanted to talk. He wanted to answer this big time. I'm seeing you. I, like- he, he wants to answer.
3: So I'm going to, I'll just do a little, a little preface and then we'll, we'll pass the ball to Zach. But, you know, and I think, I think we've talked about this before. You need a language. If you don't have a language and words to have a conversation about a topic, it's incredibly difficult to do that. You know, so, um, recently I ran across Atlas of the Heart by Brene Brown. And I don't know if you guys have read that but essentially she she defines human emotion in 118 or 120 terms. Most people if you ask them about emotion they can come up with 3, 4 or 5. I'm mad, I'm sad, I'm happy. You know, so what we try to do is that same exercise of giving people a language so that they can have a meaningful conversation about what we're like, how we interact, how we think and how we engage. And I think that fundamental foundation provides the ability to have that conversation, and so I'll kind of with that preface, I'll I'll pass it over to Zach, and he can talk a little bit about the specifics of the the report.
1: Yeah. So so Zach, when I when I've been looking at my report, I see my archetype, then I also see the least like archetypes that I am, and inside that data that we're able to provide in the reports are just insights on perhaps how my archetype could communicate to them how I how I am seen by them or heard by them. Talk to me a little bit about that because to me that was one of the most advantageous variables of 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 the report that comes out to everybody. Totally.
0: And so what that's based on is literally those are the archetypes that are most different from you, that you're you're you are least like. It doesn't mean that you don't like those kind of people. So there's of course personality difference can lead to challenges in communication, which we want to talk about, but actually they can be a strength. And so learning, we we sometimes have a almost a requirement in our engagement with clients and our engagement with in, in a workshop context that everybody find one way of communicate, one tactic, new tactic for communicating to somebody that's on the opposite end of the spectrum from them, whether it's a trait spectrum or whether it's those least like archetypes. And the reason we do that is because actually personality alignment can be great for communication and you need some of that in your team. Um, but personality difference, personality diversity is actually a real strength, but the challenge is learning how to work well with each other. And so being able to have that visual gives you a power because you say, wow, those are the things, every strength is a double-edged sword. Those are the things maybe I'm missing, right? But I need to learn how to engage with people that are like that in an in a, in a high quality way so that we can be, so that we can, balance each other well together. And so that's really the power that it gives you.
1: Absolutely. And, and it's, it's getting better equipped to be able to figure out what you need for yourself to be, you know, kind of what you want. Do you want to, how you prefer to think, how you engage with others, how you apply yourself, um, how you respond in, right? And how they do as well. It's just, it's an amazing tool. And, and I think about the communication side of things. We all respond in different situations. Talk to me a little bit about the benefit of those archetypes and learning a little bit more about those archetypes on the communication side. You learn what people's likely
0: communication styles are, and then can ask sort of ask both of the assessment but also of them find out more about why they're driven that way. So as an example, a helper type will be very oriented towards support and compassion and decision making, so they'll enter a situation trying to create harmony in the room, right? And they'll communicate based on that. A shaper or a commander will be very outcomes oriented and that's how they'll communicate. So understanding that actually they're operating from different motivators and that one, that's valuable to know and can help them play different roles in that context, but also they can step above themselves and the helper when they need to, be more goal focused, can actually prepare in a different way. i have We have a client I was working with too that that realized that any time she was going in a conversation, many times she wasn't getting what she needed out of that conversation because she was more looking to prioritize harmony and pleasing others versus getting to her goal she still has that innate capability and has a real strength around doing that but now armed with that knowledge can communicate more clearly to others when she's not getting what she wants and so she actually literally prepares in advance of those conversations which she's having a difficult conversation she puts together a plan to make sure at the end of the conversation that the three things that she wanted to get out of the conversation she gets to so it doesn't threaten it doesn't change your personality or th- it, it, it allows you to be yourself, but in the most effective way to achieve your goals. What we say is the best teams are the ones that know each other well enough to, to interact with empathy, awareness, and informed skill. Those are the best teams. And so a tool like this, particularly when you move from often lack of awareness of yourself and others to self and other awareness to self-disclosure enables the kind of conversation that gives you that mutual understanding to be able to interact more effectively together. What we say is what you and those you work with are like plus how you are with each other equals your success. That really just means your people and your culture are the ingredients of your success. And a good personality tool is a people tool because it gives you insight into yourselves and others, practical insight, but it's also a culture tool because it enables real conversations about yourself and others that create psychological safety, that create trust and self-disclosure so that you can actually do the work more effectively together. Personality is just the set of tendencies that you carry around with you. If you think about what your most natural state is or like your left-hand versus right-hand dominance, okay? This is how we think about personality and growth. That if you're uh, left-handed, you might be able to learn to write with your right hand. You might be able to do it as well as learning to write with your left hand, but it will always be cognitively a bit different. So what your traits, your trait picture is, is kind of your most natural state. But our lives are constantly about flexing, flexing our traits to do what we need to do, to accomplish what we need to accomplish. And that's where this idea of personal projects comes in. Personal projects is simply what is occupying our time, energy and effort. And so learning. While traits are a critical anchor point, it's really understanding how those traits play out in behavior in the context of our projects and how we can manage them most sustainably where the growth comes. What we say is human flourishing is in the sustainable pursuit of core projects. And so, the understanding of yourself and then how your traits relate to the things you need to do, things you need to do in work, the things you need to do in life, things you need to do that shift on a day-to-day basis, some of the things you might not want to do. So can others that are more have stronger tendencies in that direction, help you do them. Sometimes you have to act out of character to achieve those things. How do you manage that most effectively? There are psychological techniques to doing this. There's a lot of research um, built into our assessment about how to do that most effectively. That's really where the impact is. And that's where the impact on well-being is, is how do I flourish? How do I use this understanding to get what I want out of work and life,
1: get more out of work and life? So, so guys, we always like to end our episodes on a good. Uh, we call it the best day ever. Somebody in our office wears vests quite a bit. So, um, there's a little a running joke that goes with that. But, like, what we like to do is is just ask and have you guys share uh, a good thing that maybe is recently, uh, you've experienced on your end, uh, something you guys want to share. Um, and Jay, you want to, you want to start out?
2: Yeah. Um, I don't know that I have a specific, but I want to talk in broad strokes of, some of the people on our team and just watching them grow and flourish and that's great for them but for me it is it's everything it's why i get up in the morning and i, I feel like you know as sort of the you, know, you climb the ladder and you start you know, getting to higher and higher job responsibilities you're making less of a daily impact right so you're not seeing you're not seeing work to fruition on a daily basis. You're, you're, you're working on months and quarters and years. And so every now and again, I'm able to take a step back and, and look at some of the people who work for me and look at the work they're doing and look at the progress they've made. And it, it knocks my socks off. And that's to me, the best day ever. Thanks for saying that, buddy. I love it. Steve, what do you got, man?
3: You know, my, my father was an eco warrior from way back. The uh, most recent IPPC uh, climate change report has come out. And while there's a lot of trauma in there, I think uh, the the, the good news is there's still time. It's kind of extending our personal well-being and our family well-being to the world. And so I I thought that was a a really exciting thing that came out, that there's still time. We can turn it around and hopefully save the planet along with, uh, you know, saving every person, uh, one person at a time.
0: Nice. Zach, what do you got? So my, one of my core missions is really to be able to democratize the ability for individuals to own their own development. And to me development and well-being go hand in hand. Like we we talk about we have a principle evolve or die and it comes from this notion that the the core human driver is evolution essentially. And so to be able to be pulled into this podcast and meet you you and actually see the reality the things that we've talked about becoming real to me, that's the good. It's like because it, I can see so much potential to actually scale scale and have impact in areas that that don't exist today, really to to democratize the ability for everyone to engage in um radically better self self and team development
1: zach you let you let me in perfectly, so what I'm really excited about, my best day ever is confirm that that Zach and Steve will be coming to Bozeman, Montana and to our national summit and really collaborating with us to give a workshop to our clients and our prospects and our consultants, carriers that work with us every single day. But then also we're bringing every single one of Navigate's employees to our summit this year as well. And so really getting that immersion of the principles you, what we call Navigate you, within our summit and our, our our national summit experience. So I'm really excited for that. I'm really thankful you guys are going to be able to make that trip. And I hope there's just no snow on the ground in Bozeman um, in the middle of June. So we'll see. I want to say thank you, Steve, Zach. Thank you for all your efforts to work with us. Thank you for taking on a couple of crazy guys from Iowa that want to embed this inside well-being and, and believe in what you guys are doing and believe we can help um, folks. Um, I really appreciate you guys sharing your, your journey um, with us and, and sharing the insights. To all of our listeners out there, you know, we appreciate you. Keep talking to us, review us, subscribe. And then lastly, I just want to say uh, thank you to, to all the Navigate team. It takes a special group of people to commit to something, um, to show up every single day, to do good for others, um, and stay the course and, and see that vision through. Um, You guys are amazing. We love you. Um, Thank you for all that you do for my family, one another, um, and all of our clients. And and we certainly appreciate you. So this is the Navigate uh, First People podcast. This is the Navigate People First podcast. And we appreciate you spending time with us.